Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. As always, I would like to implore you to go and give me a like and or follow on my Instagram and my Facebook and all of that. Uh, the Facebook is just simply titled Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. It has the same exact profile picture as the podcast that you listen to on whatever platform it is that you listen on. My Instagram account is my personal Instagram account, but the name of it is Cal Woodman. That's K-A-L, as in Superman, Kal-L. Cal Woodman Kaiju Carnage. And just go give me a follow on that. And also, if you don't mind, go and leave the podcast a rating and or review on whatever platform it is that you listen to the show on, because the more ratings and reviews that a show gets the higher chance it gets to pop up in search algorithms and all of that kind of stuff whenever you uh, go to look for something. Because it's, you know, you type up in Google a kaiju podcast. If there's one out there that has like 5,000 ratings and, you know, 10,000 followers and all that, it's going to pop up way before my puny little podcast is going to show up. With uh, 3,000 total listens and uh, the few followers that I have and with only like the 14 or 15 ratings that I already do have. For those of you that already have left me ratings and reviews, thank you. I very appreciate it and, you know, it it means the world to me. So, alright guys, <clears throat> um, on today's episode, I'm going back to the Gamera franchise, so all you Gamera fans can be happy about that. I'm going to be talking about Gamera versus Gyos that was made in 1967. This film, it's, it's one of my favorites of the Showa-era Gamera films. Like it's, it's hard to compete with the Heisei era of Godzilla films, but when it comes to Showa era, you know... It's no secret that the Gamera franchise is almost from the beginning more aimed towards children than most other kaiju-related uh, anything, really. I mean, uh, the Gamera franchise very, very quickly decided to aim itself towards children. And so some of the Showa-era... Gamera films, I'm not going to lie, they can be a bit of a chore to try and get through. Um, this one, I've always really, really enjoyed it, uh, even though it was aimed towards children, and I'll get more into that uh, later on in the episode. It was still pretty violent for something that was aimed towards children, like Gamera has uh, some rough times fighting old Gyos, and... Uh, yeah, there's a decent, there's a pretty good amount of blood, more blood than you would expect in a children's film. But you know, this movie was made in the '60s, and also Japan has never really shied away from things that are aimed towards children over there, having them be more violent and have more adult themes in it, and all of that kind of stuff. Over here in America, if you know, somebody plugged this movie in, was like, oh yeah, this is a children's movie. You know, there'd be a lot of parents that were like, this is very violent. There are literally limbs being cut off from the kaiju. There's 
blood squirting and all that kind of stuff. Like there, there's some parents that probably wouldn't be too thrilled, uh, for somebody just to plug this movie in for their kid and, uh, just basically let them watch. But yeah, I've, I've always been a pretty big fan of this movie in particular whenever it comes to Gamera. So now that all of that is out of the way, uh, well, before I jump straight into the episode, I'll go on ahead and say stick around for the end of the episode because I'm going to make numerous announcements. I'm going to release um, my upcoming schedule for about the next three or four weeks for what movies I'm going to be doing and just make some general announcements and all of that. I know I said on my Facebook I was going to make announcements throughout the week, but I started a new job this week and... I have to get up earlier. I have to stay there earlier. Uh, I kind of started a new job. I was pretty much already doing a lot of what I'm doing, uh, but I was doing it as a contractor for a utility company. But now I have been hired on full time by that utility company and they moved me to a location that is further away from my home. So now instead of having only about a seven minute drive to work, I have about a 35 minute drive to work. And also just, you know, I, I work a little bit longer hours now, so that took up a pretty good chunk of my time. And I've just got to rearrange my my schedule on how I do things now with the new job. So, all right. With all of that said now, officially, let's jump straight into the episode. The director of the film was Noriyaki Yuasa. Now, this guy... He's he's champion whenever it comes to Gamera. Uh, he was the director of the original Gamera film. And then whenever the second Gamera film came out, they demoted him to just strictly the special effects director and hired an entirely different director. But he was brought back as the full director for this film to where he was going to be doing the drama scenes, as well as the monster scenes and all of that. In the terminology of talking about these types of movies, whenever you say someone is the special effects director, that literally just means they're basically the, the director of the monsters and all that. They, they oversee all the buildings of the um, miniature sets. They oversee, you know, the suits being made how they're worn, they direct how the monsters fight each other and all of that kind of stuff. So, and then the actual director of the film usually just handles like the human aspect of the movie and all of that. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, there was a regular director and a special effects director for the second Gamera film, which is Gamera versus Barragon. I also have an episode on that. And uh, Noriaki was promoted back to full director where he would be covering all aspects of the movie um, for this film. This film is notable for introducing Gyos. Now, if you're not too big into the Gamera franchise, I know there's a pretty good chunk of you that are because Gamera is, he's not quite as popular as Godzilla, but he's Pretty high up there. Like, if Godzilla is the most popular kaiju worldwide, you know, King Kong would be up there. King Ghidorah and Mothra would be up there. And then Gamera is probably right there as well. So that would probably be 
you know, I'm pretty sure there's an official ranking and all of that kind of stuff, and I can look that up at some point in time. But um, that would probably be the top five most popular kaiju in existence in society right now, worldwide. Godzilla at number one. Ghidorah is probably number two. Mothra and King Kong probably... <clears throat> they probably swap back and forth between... Uh, spots three and four here and there, but Mothra probably stays in number three more often than not, and Gamera would probably be number five. So he's he's definitely in the top five most popular kaiju of all time. Now, Gyos is to Gamera what Ghidorah is to Godzilla. Gyos is pretty much Gamera's nemesis. He's his rival. He gives him trouble every single time they fight. Like, and Gyos has appeared in numerous other films other than this one. I believe he's appeared in like 10 other, uh, other Godzilla, not Godzilla, 10 other Gamera films uh, after his introduction. So he's a very popular opponent for Gamera. <clears throat> he's, is he Gamera's most powerful opponent? No, he's really not. But, you know, Ghidorah is not the most powerful opponent that Godzilla has ever faced. That title pretty much goes to Destroya from uh, Godzilla vs. Destroya, the final film of the Heisei era of film. So, Destroya is his most powerful, but people pretty much know that Ghidorah is the monster that rivals Godzilla. And in the Gamera franchise, that is what Gyos is to Gamera. He is absolutely not the most powerful opponent that Gamera has ever faced, but he is easily his rival. And also, he's just, he's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I like, I like Gyos. Gyos is a pretty cool uh, kaiju. Now, this was the third film in the Gamera franchise. And this film got greenlit immediately upon the release of Gamera versus Barugan. Because the first film, you know, I've got a whole nother episode on the original film, which is Gamera the Giant Monster, is part of my saga, the OGs of Kaiju, way back towards the beginning of my uh, podcast. It released back in, like, January of 2021. Go check it out if you haven't done so already. <clears throat> but um, it was a massive success, and then... They decided to do a sequel, and so they did Gamera versus Baragon. And I already told you that uh, Noriaki was demoted to pretty much just a special effects director, and they had another director handling the human drama. The only problem with Gamera versus Baragon is that it didn't perform near as well as Gamera the Giant Monster. And so, naturally, what happens a lot of times whenever a movie doesn't perform, the director immediately gets to blame. So, the director of Gamera vs. Baragon, he pretty much got the boot. Daye got rid of him. And they promoted Noriaki, once again, to full director over the film. Because they wanted to see if he could work his magic again. And, you know, because they were like, there was something that went wrong between the first movie and... And the second movie. Why was the first movie so popular and so successful and made as much money as it did? Whereas the very next film was just bleh. 
Nobody really cared about it. It didn't perform very well in the box office. And one of the things that uh, the head of Daye pretty much noticed that whenever he was watching the movie or, or when people he knew would go watch the movie, they wanted the Gamera franchise <clears throat> to be more child-friendly. But whenever you bring a child to see a giant monster movie, you have to have giant monsters in the movie. Like, they have to make, you know, a decent amount of appearances. You have to catch their attention very early on. And <clears throat> one of the mistakes that Gamera vs. Baragon did is that there was very little kaiju action and that there was way more human drama and human stuff going on in the movie. And whenever people would go see the movie that was connected to Daie, they would realize that many children that they would bring, because they had pretty much said, oh, this is going to be a great movie for kids and all of that kind of stuff, kids wouldn't even pay attention to the movie. A lot of times they were just playing like down in the aisles of the seats. A lot of them were sleeping. Like children just were not interested. And so it underperformed <clears throat> because, you know, not a whole lot of people, grown people really wanted to go see it because they knew it was supposed to be aimed more towards children. And so it just underperformed. So one of the first things that they decided to do was they said, we are going to aim the next Gamera film directly at kids. We're going to have a child, a small boy, be the protagonist of the film. And we're going to get things kicked off as soon as possible to try and catch the kids' attention. There's going to be more kaiju appearances. There's going to be more kaiju action. They really wanted to pull the kids in to enjoy this movie because they figured, you know, this was our best bet for this franchise. Now, as I said just a little while ago, the film was greenlit immediately after the release of Gamera vs. Baragon. And we almost got a very different movie than what we ended up getting. Because this film was actually inspired by the success of two Toho kaiju films. The first one being Frankenstein Conquers the World. The second one being its sequel, War of the Gargantuas. And because... You know, I've told you guys before whenever I talked about War of the Gargantuas in a past episode, Gargantuas is the term that is used in the American version of the movie. In the first film, Frankenstein Conquers the World, he is simply known as Frankenstein or A. Frankenstein, and the monsters in War of the Gargantuas are referred to as Frankensteins in the Japanese movie. So or the Japanese version of the film. So Daie was basically like, well, if they're using Frankenstein, we're also going to use a popular monster to put our guy up against to have him fight. And so they were sitting there like, what monster could we use for Gamera to go up against? And um, <clears throat> somebody basically said, what if... We made Dracula a kaiju. And so they went with that. This was originally going to be uh, Gamera versus Dracula. 
But then eventually they dropped the Dracula part and was just basically like, we're going to just make it Gamera versus a giant vampire. And we'll do that. And Gios's original name as the vampire was going to be Vampira. So that's, that's what we almost got. Because Toho did two movies featuring monsters with the names of Frankenstein. Uh, Daye decided, well, we're going to use a popular monster as well, and it's going to be a vampire. So this was almost Gamera versus um, uh, Dracula. <clears throat> now, the director of the film said because he really wanted the film to be aimed more towards children to try and boost you know, its popularity and boost its performance in the box office and all that. He wanted to treat this film as a children's book to where, you know, <clears throat> whenever you give a child a book, like a children's book, you have to do something to capture their attention very, very quickly. Because those of you that actually have kids, I do not have kids, but I have very young uh, future nieces and a nephew um i'm engaged now by the way i don't know if i've ever made that announcement i believe that i have so for about the last two years or so i've been i've dealt with these kids but now it's official they're about to actually be my nieces and nephew so <clears throat> and also i've just dealt with you know children before in the past so i know as well as some of you parents out there that know it can be very difficult to hold a child's attention. Very, very difficult. Like, you know, they can get into something and then it's like five seconds later, they're focused entirely on something else. I mean, that's just how they are. So he wanted to approach it like a children's book because children's books, they get to the point pretty quickly. They're usually pretty short. They're straight to the point and all of that. And whenever a kid sits down to read a children's book, you know, their attention gets captured almost immediately and they go through the entire book. He wanted this movie to be done the same way. And that is why the kaiju in this film show up so quickly. That's why Jaios has as much screen time as he does. Gamera really doesn't have a whole lot of screen time, but Jaios showed up because... You know, he's the bad guy. They wanted the bad guy to be going around and causing damage and destruction and everything. And it would build more suspense whenever Gamera actually shows up to be like, I'm going to stop you. Really turning Gamera into a hero to the point to where not only the child protagonist of the movie, but other characters were legitimately happy to see Gamera show up. They were openly rooting for Gamera to win during the fight. Like, Gamera pretty much made the full transition from giant monster on a rampage to hero in a span of just three movies. Which, it took Godzilla far, far longer to make that transition. And, you know, that's just <laughs> pretty much how it went. Now, the opening sequence of the film was actually inspired by a real volcanic eruption and the protests that are a big theme in the movie they're trying to stop the construction uh, a construction uh, from happening in the film that was also based on real protests that was going on in Japan that 
there were people that was protesting the construction of a new airport. And the director wanted to put the protest in there because he was fascinated by current social issues that go on in society. And he's basically like, I want to put this in there because it would make people go like, oh, you know, just kind of, it would just make them relate, you know, like, like, oh, well, there's, you know, these guys are protesting construction in this movie. And, you know, we know people that are, that were protesting construction of the airport and all that kind of stuff. It just, you know, he gives you a little connection and all of that. And also he put, um, part of the reason why he made, uh, how he worked into the story that the action would get started so quickly is that the protesters were in the film, they were kind of going about protesting the, uh, the wrong way, <laughs> you know, they could be, uh, kind of violent and all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not going to get into anything political and all that kind of stuff. I have no problem with people that want to protest. I do begin to have an issue whenever people's protest becomes a riot or they're destroying property and all of that kind of stuff and they're looting. There's a difference between protesting and just being a menace. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And so these guys in the film, they were getting pretty, you know, pretty high strung with their protests. And the director wanted to show you know, just how everything went with the protests and the kaiju popping up as quickly as they did and, you know, just putting everything to a grinding halt so that they could stop the uh, kaiju was he wanted to show children that there are consequences to doing bad things. I'm not saying that protests are bad things, but refer to my previous statement about how I feel about protests and that's as far as I'm going to get into anything like political or social unrest and all of that kind of stuff. So pretty much whenever they start, uh, that's, that was pretty much the writing process coming up with the basic story and all of that. And there was no information that I could find on the, construction and building of the Gyos suit. But now for the Gamera suit, I did I was able to find out some information on that. The Gamera suit was just recycled from Gamera versus Barugan. They used the same exact suit that was used in the previous film uh before this one. The only alteration that they made was his eyes. They wanted his eyes to appear more friendly, so they made them brighter, they made them open wider and all that kind of stuff. They did not want him to look scary. They did not want him to look menacing. So they tried to make him appear more friendly. And I'm not going to lie. As many times as I've seen this movie, not once have I ever looked at Gamera and thought, well, he looks like a pretty friendly guy. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's only so much that you can do with trying to make a suit look friendly without making it look ridiculous. And the eyes, to me, have always kind of looked, I know it's a guy in a suit, I know it is, it's a prop, but I've always felt that Gamera's eyes in this film just kind of look unnatural. Like it goes against that suspension of disbelief that I've talked about before. Like you know that it's a guy in a suit. You know he's in a miniature set. You know that 
all the trees and everything that they're kicking down and fighting the mountainsides and all that, every single bit of that is fake. But you suspend that disbelief for a moment and believe, okay, I know all of that is fake, but in this moment, he is a giant monster. That is the countryside. That is a mountain that they are fighting on. You know, you can go with that. But whenever you do something like doing his eyes the way that they did, it makes it a little more difficult because then you just kind of sit there and be like, okay, that just looks kind of ridiculous. Like it doesn't look, it doesn't look natural enough. Like it doesn't go like, you know, like it's just, they're too, they were, they were too fake in my opinion. And I know that that's a, a very strange, um, thing for me to gripe about, but you know, you guys know me as long as I've been doing this podcast, like I'm a big fan of suitmation. I'm a big fan of stop motion and all of that. And just, you know, I, I just want it to be done good. And I'm not saying that this, that Gamera wasn't handled very well. I'm just saying that by trying to make his eyes look more friendly, they just made it to where it just didn't look, it just didn't look right for me. So, uh, Gyos as well, whenever they decided that they wanted Gamera to look more friendly, they wanted Gyos to not necessarily look friendly, but not as menacing as he could have been. And the most concerning thing about Gyos to where he doesn't look very scary, and quite frankly, it can just look kind of cartoonish, is his mouth. Like, just the way his mouth looks, the way his teeth looks, like, he just looks... Again, he just... <laughs> his mouth just simply looks ridiculous. It doesn't look like a real, like, working mouth or anything like that. It literally just looks like the, you know, the prop of a toy or something like that. Like, I've seen toys with mouths that look more real and more convincing than the mouth that Jaios has in this film. With all of that said, I'm not bad-mouthing the film. Like I said, I love the film. It's just, you know, that's just my opinion on, um, on, um, you know, my observation of the film. Now, so the Gamera suit was recycled from Gamera versus Baragon. The upper half of the suit from the original film, Gamera the Giant Monster, was recycled for close-up scenes for this film, depicting him using the actual real flamethrower that was attached inside of his mouth. So whenever you see Gamera just kind of crawling around, walking around and everything, that is the suit from Gamera vs. Baragon, and whenever you see him firing uh, the flames out of his mouth, breathing fire, uh, and all of that. That is the original suit from Gamera the Giant Monster. And um, the underwater scene, whenever Gamera has his first encounter with Gyos. Uh, fun fact, this is the first film to actually show Gamera bleed. And he has very green blood, as opposed to whenever Godzilla uh, finally bled on screen he had red blood. So, you know, who knows what the, <laughs> you know, if a kaiju would have red blood, if it would have green blood, if it would have blue blood, you know, just whatever. I don't know. But, uh, so this was the first film to actually show Gamera bleed. And the blood that was coming out of his arm and his tail and wherever else he was bleeding, all of that was hand pumped by the crew. 
Like, they would have, you know, a tube going into the uh, spot where the bleeding was going to happen, and they would just pump a mechanism and cause the blood to squirt out and ooze out. The only problem with that is, is that whenever the blood would be coming out, like squirting and oozing and all of that kind of stuff, they were trying to time it with the very devastating beam that Gyos has. And they had a hard time making the blood squirt out in a way that would make it seem as if it was in response to being shot by a type of beam that Gyos would have. But they eventually got that right with the uh, special effects and everything when they got done shooting and they were trying to edit the film and all of that. <clears throat> and anyway, as far as back going back to uh, other suits, this wasn't necessarily a suit but the underwater recovery scene, whenever Gamera is underwater and you can see the blood oozing out of his arm and everything, that was not a suit. That was a full-on prop, and it was inside of a fish tank. So whenever you see that scene, that's just a little miniature Gamera that's inside of a fish tank, and uh, they're pumping the blood out and all that. That's not actually a guy that's in a suit. It was actually filmed uh, underwater. And for the scene, whenever the boy is climbing up onto Gamera's shell, how they were able to shoot that scene was they actually got uh, an adult to climb a ladder, like make it see, like he was climbing a ladder. And then whenever they was in the editing process, they simply edited out the ladder and then superimposed the actor onto a close-up of the shell to make it seem as if he was climbing the shell instead of just a regular ladder. So, there was, I'll call it an American version, but there was so little changes, it's kind of weird to say that this was an American version as opposed to just a dub of the movie. Now, the movie, whenever it was released here in America, uh, was called Return of the Giant Monsters. They left it completely uncut. They did not edit anything out except for, uh, like, two scenes. They reshot some, like, during the protests and everything. Like, when some people drive up, there's a whole bunch of signs in the film. And it's all written in Japanese, naturally, because it takes place in Japan. And it says something like, stop the construction, stop the building, you know, like, you know, just standard protest stuff. Some scenes were reshot for the American version simply so that there would be signs with English on it so that English-speaking audiences would actually know what the signs say and that they wouldn't have to, like, put subtitles on every single sign that there was and all of that kind of stuff. So that was redone. And also, the song that plays at the end of the film... It's uh, pretty much called Gamera's Theme Song. I don't know if it has another official name. If it if it did, it was so minor, I can't remember what it was called. But um, that film, was, I mean, that song was completely removed from the American version, even though it was pretty popular over in Japan. Because after the film was released, the song was popular enough to where it was released as an official single. And so, you know... 
Yeah, but that song was uh, removed from the American version. As far as the legacy of this film is concerned, this is, not just for me, but for most Gamera fans, this is one of the more popular Gamera films of the Showa era. You know, like I said, it introduces Gamera's arch-nemesis with Gyos. It full-on begins the trend of being aimed towards children and having a child protagonist. This film was featured not once, but twice on Mystery Science Theater 3000. That really helped to get the film out there and cause people to be exposed to it and everything. There are some people that I've met that have only seen this movie because of Mystery Science Theater. They've seen that version, but then they were like, man, I actually want to watch the actual movie, you know, without the commentary and all that kind of stuff. And they would go back and watch the actual movie. So, yeah, that absolutely helped uh, skyrocket this film's popularity. And the great Ishiro Honda, the man that directed the original Godzilla film and he directed numerous other Godzilla films and all that. Upon seeing this movie, he was reportedly... Very, very impressed with it, and he actually um, sent the director, Noriaki Yuasa, a card. It was a New Year's card. Uh, it was about, you know, about the that time of the year. And he sent him a New Year's card congratulating him on the film and saying it was very well done and all of that kind of stuff. And... One other little tidbit fun fact that I want to give you is that there is very little actual military scenes that are in this movie. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you're watching a giant monster movie or something like that, you immediately think, okay, the military is going to get involved at some point. They're pretty much always there. Noriaki actually could not stand having to put the military scenes in this movie, he was forced to do so. And the only reason why he didn't fight it more is because he felt that it was traditional at that point in time to have the military show up to try and fight the giant monster because of how often it was done in the Godzilla franchise. And always keep in mind that the Gamera franchise was created in direct response to the success of the Godzilla franchise. So not only were they trying to create their own thing with Gamera and all of that, they were trying to piggyback off of themes and things that the Gam that the Godzilla franchise had done because of how popular it was and everything. So if the military was pretty much always going to be in a Godzilla movie, attacking Godzilla or whatever kaiju that there was at the time rampaging through the city, Daye decided that they wanted the same, and the director complied in all of that. So, that pretty much does it for Gamera versus Gyos. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, so now it's time for a few announcements and all of that. The one-year anniversary of this podcast is fast approaching. Now, the very first episode I ever did was my introduction episode, and I did it in early December. It was like December 4th or something like that. But my first official episode that I did was like December 12th or something like that. So I consider 
December 12th to be the actual one year anniversary because I only released the intro episode to let people know what the show was going to be about and all of that. It was just uh, a little 20 minute thing of me just spitballing basically. But my first official episode, which was on the OGs of Kaiju Part 1, the 1933 King Kong film, um, you know, that's my official episode. And so I've got something special for me planned to do uh, for the anniversary episode. But before I jump into that, I'm going to go ahead and release my schedule that uh, I've got coming up. First of all, not Kaiju Carnage related, but... Uh, I will be guest starring on Kid Kong at the movies yet again. We talked about one of my favorite movies. It's also one of his favorite movies um, at the time of this recording yesterday. At the time of this recording, it will be releasing tomorrow, which is like November... I don't know. <laughs> you know, I like I, I, I can't tell you <laughs> what, what day it is. It's like no, going to be November... 22nd or something like that. It's on a Sunday. But uh, yeah, we're talking about The Perfect Storm starring George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. We talk about the casting process and everything of the film. We talk about its uh, response, the historical inaccuracies that were in it. I go on a rant <laughs> a little bit about um, people that watch a movie that is quote-unquote based on a true story, and they pretty much are like, well, I saw a movie on it, so that's what happened. That's how the movie goes, and many times it's just not, it's just not the case. It's just, you can have something be based on a true story, and then 98% of the movie that you're going to watch is complete and total BS and made up, and in a lot of ways, that's what the perfect storm was. There was a hurricane that took place and the crew of the Andrea Gale did disappear, but a whole lot of other things was made up for drama and, <clears throat> and all of that. So we talk about the perfect storm. If you're into the perfect storm, or if you like listening to, uh, the episodes that I guest star on, uh, his show, by all means, check that out. I'll share the link on my Facebook whenever uh, he drops it tomorrow. Next Saturday, the episode that I'm going to be doing, I will have him come and guest star on my show. And we're going to be talking about one of his favorite kaiju films. It's also one of my favorite kaiju films, The Rebirth of Mothra, that came out in 1996. He and I are big fans of that movie. Mothra is his favorite kaiju, so that was pretty much his introduction to the kaiju genre was Mothra and all of that, so yeah, can't wait to jump into that one. It's one of my favorite kaiju films of all time. Uh, it has my favorite incarnation of Ghidorah that is in there, Des Ghidorah, which is literally translated as Death Ghidorah. That's my favorite version of King Ghidorah, and everybody knows that King Ghidorah is one of my all-time favorite kaiju that has ever existed. <clears throat> now, um, December 4th, I honestly don't have a, uh, a selection for what I'm going to do for December 4th. That would be, like, for the one-year anniversary of my intro episode, so I will get to that one later. 
December 11th, which actually will be considered my one-year anniversary episode. I figured my my first official episode for the podcast ever was the 1933 King Kong. So for my one-year anniversary, I'm going to be talking about Peter Jackson's King Kong that came out in 2005. I love Peter Jackson's King Kong. I can watch it over and over and over again. It'll steal your youth. It's it's a long movie, but as as much as I love it, I do have a few issues with it. And it's not necessarily with the film or the story. It was mainly with Peter Jackson's directing style. And I will talk about that in much more depth and detail whenever I actually start, uh, whenever I actually do that episode. So December 11th, I'm going to be doing uh, King Kong, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. And then after that, I'm going to be starting what I am calling... Season 2 of Kaiju Carnage. Yes, I'm very aware that Season 1 lasted an entire year. It's the longest season of any kind of show that ever happened. But, um, you know, having a weekly episode for one year, sometimes two or three episodes a week, and, you know, that season lasts a year. But yeah, I'm going to officially restructure how I do the podcast and everything for Season 2 because it's going to be different. Now, the reason why I'm having to restructure is because, quite frankly, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I am I can see the writing on the wall. I'm running out of content. Like, you know, whenever you pick a podcast to do that is strictly on one genre, you're only going to be able to do that for a certain amount of time before you just start to run out of movies to talk about. Don't get me wrong. I still have plenty of kaiju films to talk about. I've only touched on one Heisei-era Godzilla film. I'll still have two other Mothra films to do. I still have plenty of other more unknown kaiju films to do, like Gappa and Varan and things like that. Uh, the third uh, Rega film, uh, I can do that. I haven't even touched the Monsterverse yet. There are still a few Showa-era Godzilla films to do. I've still got like you know, 10 or 11 Gamera films to do, as well as other films that, like, you know, you can just somewhat consider this to be a kaiju film because it deals with dinosaurs and things like that. There are Ray Harryhausen films that I still want to cover and all of that that deal with monsters and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't want to do all of the big popular movies that everyone loves, and then pretty much all I'm left with is the movies that not a whole lot of people have heard of or anything like that. So I've been kind of trying to spread everything out the best that I can. And so what I'm going to do for season two, I'm going to begin exploring more, not just kaiju, but also like big mech movies, which I've already done one with uh, Pacific Rim. <clears throat> and... um. Yeah, like I'm basically going to talk about the uh, the Gundam franchise. I've mentioned before that I'm a massive Gundam fan, and Giant Robots is, believe it or not, considered to be a subgenre of the kaiju genre. So I'll be talking about things like you know Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam Wing, and all that kind of stuff. I'm a massive, massive Gundam fan, specifically in the Universal Century era. 
Uh, I'm also going to be jumping into the Ultraman franchise. I've been slowly collecting, you know, the season box sets for like Ultraman, the return of Ultraman or, you know, Ultra 7, you know, like I've been getting them slowly and getting some of the movies and all of that so I can watch them and all, and all of that kind of stuff. Because I've never really dealt with Ultraman all that much. So I need to really get myself well versed in that franchise before I really jump into starting to, uh, you know, talk about it, <laughs> basically. And also I'm going to be talking about the Gridman franchise. Um, you know, that was pretty much... That came about because of the popularity of Ultraman and everything. It had a live-action uh, TV show in the 90s. It also had an Americanized version of that TV show in the 90s, which was done very much the way Power Rangers was done, in which they would use stock footage from the original Japanese show, but all of the scenes dealing with a lot of the human characters and all that were recast and new storylines were done. An entire new dialogue was dubbed and all of that kind of stuff. And I've got the uh, entire series to Gridman. And I've got the uh, season one of the anime for Gridman. I'm going to talk about the anime for Ultraman. Um, you know, anime for uh, Pacific Rim. The uh, Pacific Rim anime. I'll jump into... Godzilla Singular Point. Like, I'm just going to really expand the type of things that I talk about. So, for those of you that were really <clears throat> more into listening to this show and everything for just the old classic kaiju films and all that, you know, I'm sorry. But, you know, I've got to, uh, I've got to expand because I know that if I just keep going the way that I'm going, only talking about specifically kaiju films and all of that, I'll be able to do this show for about another year, and then I'm going to really be scrounging for content. And so I want to keep doing this podcast as long as I possibly can. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, expand and branch out. On my Facebook, I'll be more active with showing like uh, some of the models that I build. I'm a big fan of buying uh, Gundam models or just really mobile suit models. Um, I've got the GM, uh, the Blue Destiny. I've got one for Wing Zero from uh, Gundam Wing. And then I just have a whole bunch of other ones that I have purchased that I haven't built yet, but I'm going to be getting to those as well. So, yeah, guys, that's pretty much going to be Season 2. And after the King Kong episode, the very first episode that I'm going to be doing for season two is going to be the massive two-part episode that I talked about a long time ago in one of my episodes. I'm breaking it up into two parts, and it's going to be called Showa Era, The Rise and Fall of Godzilla. Now, I know I haven't discussed all of the Showa Era Godzilla films, but I've covered most of them. I think I've only got like two or three left to do. This is basically going to be kind of like a Godzilla spotlight that, uh, you know, I used to do the kaiju spotlights and I'm going to get back to doing those eventually. But um, it, that's basically what it's going to be. is, And I'm going to cover every single movie of the Showa era and talk about how the franchise began, how strong it was, how popular it was. And then I'm going to go 
right up until the point whenever it started to get ridiculous and its popularity started to go down, that's going to be the end of part one. And then the following week, part two, will be me just pretty much explaining the rest about how the franchise just really fell apart and uh, ultimately led to the reboot that was the Heisei era that we ended up getting. So, <clears throat> all right, guys, uh, December. I haven't, well, for November, I haven't decided yet what my episode uh, for Kaiju Carnage Presents is going to be, which is basically I pick any type of movie that I want to do and, um, you know, just do it. For December, I kind of have an idea of what I want to do, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. I know I I get I get lots of messages from you guys. You guys send me, you know, very, very kind words, and you've sent me fan art and all that kind of stuff. I very much appreciate it and thank you. But I want to get you guys more involved, and specifically with my Kaiju Carnage Presents. Uh, there's going to be some months where I specifically want to do a certain movie, but whenever I get to like November and December where I'm kind of like, I don't know exactly which one I want to do. I've got a few options. Should I do this one? Should I do that one? I want to get you guys involved. So November and December, if you guys have any suggestions or any requests, if there's any type of movie out there that you want me to do, with the formula that I do, and all of that kind of stuff, by all means, send me a message. Send me a message and say, hey man, you know, like, I would love for you to cover this movie, or I would love for you to cover this anime, or this TV show, or something other like that. If I'm well-versed in it, I'll probably gladly do it. If I'm not very well-versed in it, I mean, like, if you give me, like, a an anime TV show, and I've never seen a single episode of the TV show, and there's, like, 200 plus episodes of that anime, like, I'm probably not going to jump on that very, very quickly, you know, because I don't want to just like, okay, yeah, I've never heard of this, I've never watched it, but let me do some Google searching real quick and, you know, see how that goes. So, yeah, just give me, uh, give me some suggestions. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook. Once again, my Facebook is Kaiju Carnage at Godzilla slash King Kong Podcast. Same exact profile picture as the podcast that you're listening to the show on. And then my Instagram is Cal Woodman Kaiju Carnage. Just send me a message on either one of those if you have any suggestions or requests for a movie that you would like for me to do my podcast treatment with. So, alright guys, that uh, pretty much does it. So tune in next week for... Me and Kid Kong, we're going to be talking about the Rebirth of Mothra that came out in 1996. And thank you once again for all the love, all the support. I wouldn't be doing this show if it wasn't for you guys. You guys mean the world to me. Y'all really do. I appreciate all the support. Thank you. So, alrighty guys, that pretty much does it. Again, see y'all next week for the Rebirth of Mothra. And this is Kyle the Kaiju Guy, signing out.